You are listening to Authentic Falconer, a podcast that promotes falconry, conservationism, and collaborates with real authentic falconers. My name is Mike Bordenero, master falconer and co-owner of a bird abatement company called The Hawk Pros. I'm sitting down with falconers to discuss hunting and training techniques, lessons they have learned, and obstacles they have overcome through their falconry experiences. And of course, the always entertaining stories that come along with falconry. Welcome. We're live here. Authentic Falconer podcast. Let me invite the guest here and get him going. We have Casey Everett today and uh, super excited. Let's see if he is in there. Hey, man. Casey. Yes. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yes, I can. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. You're kind of... um, the type of person that has that presence online that just, you know what i mean you, everything you do is is falconry related it seems like i mean you even have a family involved I, it looks like that you had um you know your family growing up involved in falconry too and i wanted to kind of touch on that okay well but um yeah first off thanks for coming on yeah and uh why don't you tell the viewers a little bit about your your background your history of how you got into the sport Okay. All right. So basically, um, basically when I was a kid, I was really involved in anything, anything that had to do with nature, being outside, being in the woods. I lived, I had where we lived, we lived in a, like a residential neighborhood, like nothing rural at all. And, um, there was one plot of woods on one side of my block and then we can go like five blocks down and there'd be, uh, another plot of woods. So basically, when I was a little kid, I would go there, flip over every log, everything, and look for you know snakes, anything I could find, bring it home, um, you know, learn about it, study it, and then um, you know I had a million pets. Like most falconers, it 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 seems like most falconers, there's like common correlations where they all most falconers love reptiles for whatever reason, and like most falconers I talk to, they have like that. Like they just love reptiles. It's part of like, you know, it's just their fascination with them. And uh, so I loved reptiles. I had every kind of snake, any kind of lizard you can imagine. I had it. And, um, and uh, you know, from there, I mean, my mom was very supportive. You know, she was uh, always trying to like teach us stuff. Let's go back. I was homeschooled. Okay. So, <laughs> free, gotcha. right? no, um, so my mom homeschooled us. So everything was like a teaching opportunity for her so everything anything that we were interested in you know anything that fascinated us my mom would try to use it as some sort of a teaching thing so when i was like 12 years old me and her were walking at a park and a big female red tail landed in the tree i knew exactly what it was and i was like oh my gosh that's awesome and my mom was like you know i read an article somewhere that you can actually have one of those and train it to like hunt or something and I'm like, there's no way that's real. Like, that's something out of, like, a movie. Like, that's not real. Um, this is before I, n- I never read, like, My Side of the Mountain or anything like that yet. So this was just, like, raw, zero. I didn't even know it was a real thing. I thought it was, like, something out of Lord of the Rings or something. Like, it's fake. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, it's real. We contacted the state. We called them on the phone. Um, I don't know how it works now. You can't really get the state on the phone anymore. Um, yeah. As you know, as everybody knows watching, I'm sure. It's a pain in the neck these days. Um, 
And uh, so we called them. It was a real thing. They tried to um, discourage me and my mom. I was doing it together. I was like 12 years old. So like they're trying to discourage us. They're like, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody wants an owl and they want a bird. Yeah. And uh, but I literally I couldn't sleep. Like I literally couldn't sleep. Like I would not be able to fall asleep at night because I'd be thinking like that thing that I saw imprinted in my mind, like could be like we could have a relationship. Like I thought it was so fascinating. I like literally couldn't sleep. And uh, so we kept pushing, you know, like you got like nowadays, nowadays it's like the barrier to entry is like so low. I feel like, I feel like anybody, literally anybody could be a falconer. And back then, man, it was really difficult. And especially in my household being homeschooled, we weren't like Amish or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> we didn't have like internet. Like my mom had the internet and like, you know, with the password, all that stuff. We didn't have yeah. any like cable. We watched movies all the time. Most of the time we were just spent outside doing stuff we like to do. Skateboarding, you know, in the woods, hiking, all that stuff. So just trying to find a falconer was like impossible. Um, so the state gave us a list of a few falconers in our area that would be willing to take us out. So my mom emailed them um, and they said, you know, listen, and they kind of put us off a little bit. You know, they were like, yeah, okay, well, why don't you call, why don't you, why don't you email us back at like, you know, three months or so and see how, see how your son's feeling then. And, um, but we just kept pushing. I just like kept like hounding my mom, like, is, can we do this? Then the craziest thing happens. This is the craziest part. My next door neighbor in a residential neighborhood, he would always shoot gray squirrels with an air gun. He was nuts. He was the, he was a hilarious guy. He would always shoot gray squirrels because his landscaper feeds them to his animals. So my mom's okay. like, I, and then we started putting two and two together. So we asked my neighbor, what is your, what is, what is your, your landscaper feeding all these squirrels to? And he goes, I think he has like hawks or something. I'm like, no <laughs> way. My neighbor's landscaper, Mike Ottinger from New York state is a falconer. We got in contact with him. He's the nicest guy in the world. Anybody who's watching knows that. And he invited us up to his house. And I literally like my heart was like pounding, like pulling in the guy's driveway. I remember I was like 12, like tw I must've been 12 years old. And he has his big female red tail sitting out on a boat perch in the yard when we pulled up. And I was just like, just like staring at it. And he comes out. I'm like, not even, I'm just staring at the bird. And uh, so he goes, all right, let's go on a hunt. So he's like, you want to hold it? So he, like, he, you know, put the glove on. Bird was like, you know, I don't know, intermewed like six times or something like that. So it just stepped up to the glove, took a couple of pictures. Then we grabbed these two Harris Hawks and we just walked down the block. He like just opened the door and they flew out after putting the red tail away, obviously. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, dude, you're going to lose your birds. Like you can't like, cause I had like parrots <laughs> and like doves and I'm like, dude, how are you going to get it back? Like you, you're going to lose yeah. your bird. He's like, come on, let's just go. So me and my mom and the, and my Gottinger just walk off into the woods and the birds are just following us like overhead. And I'm just like, this is not like, I was like, this is not real. Like my heart was pounding. And uh, I think the tear soul of the two thought I had some food or something. So it landed like right on a log right next to my like right in front of my face and like looked at me and gave me one of these and then he whistled and it just turned and just flew and landed above him that right there was the moment that was like seared in my brain like i will do this for the rest of my life this is the coolest <laughs> thing i've ever seen in my life and um wow. so then i think we caught a squirrel something like that and uh that part i don't really remember to be honest i was just so fascinated with what i just saw and uh after that i was just talk about I couldn't sleep before now I really couldn't sleep so I did yeah. everything I could uh to get involved we kept emailing uh 
those two falconers nearby, which are Paul and Phil Aaliyah, which are well-known exhibitor guys. And they, uh, they nice enough to take us out. They were hesitant at first because as you know, and every other falconer that's been in this for a while knows everybody wants to go out. Everybody wants to be a falconer. It's a mm -hmm. fascinating thing, but it, it's, it's a lifestyle decision as we know. So that's they took us out. I jumped right in there. I think I was maybe going on 13 at this point. I just started beating brush. Like I didn't know what was going on. I just saw what they were doing and I was yeah. just doing what they were doing. They're all yelling, ho, ho, ho. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm yelling. And, um, wow. and then I just got to get involved more and more. So that's an yeah. epic intro. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Chain of events are crazy for you. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. were just kind of drawn towards it and it popped up right in your lap. It popped right. Yeah. And they were 15 minutes from our house. What are the odds? Wow. So I'll drive over there. Then it turns out the even funniest part was, is that I'm, t I was terrible at math. I'm better now. I was terrible at math. <laughs> okay. My sponsor, who wasn't my sponsor at the time, is a has like a master's degree in, in, in mathematics. He's a math teacher. Mm -hmm. So he tutored me in math. So <laughs> no I would go to his house. I would do, take my math lesson, and he'd always have a bird. He'd have a, a kestrel or a, a got like a, like a passage goss on the glove. And I was like trying to focus, you know what I mean? And then after I was done, we'd go, we'd go hawking afterwards. And then my mom would come pick me up. And it was like the coolest that's it was like, like the coolest experience. Movie. Yeah, that's like I'd have a movie. Like that story doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. crazy. Super so, crazy. So um, you're in New Jersey, right? Yes, no, I am in New Jersey. Okay. I actually just recently, uh, I just moved to New York, actually. Oh, okay. So I moved like, like an hour north. Okay. Yeah. Any plans on changing your handle on Instagram or? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Just I don't really kidding. identify as a New York Falconer yet. Maybe in the oh, future okay. I will. Not a big deal, but no. uh, yeah, for the people that don't know who you are, um, NJ Falconry is your YouTube channel. NJ underscore Falconry is his IG channel and all the yeah. stuff he posts is kind of, is pretty awesome. I mean, you get some rad footage. Whenever I see your stuff, sometimes I think like, I, I think like when people would see me flying a bird on a drop site or something, they're like, is your bird trained to bring it back? You know, yeah, I always yeah. get that. And then I think of your video of your bird just dropping, landing from the top of the trees, yeah, yeah. Squirrel, like right in front of you. Exactly. Which happen, like, at least in the, the type of hunting on the East Coast, we don't do much squirrel hunting. So, yeah, that's pretty cool that uh, you get such good footage. I mean, how, um, yeah, how I long mean, did it take for you to get, get that good with your filming and in sync with your bird? I'm sure it's just. Yeah, well, so like, so like I said, when I was, you know, I got into this when I was real young. So basically, I just decided one day to just like start filming my hunts to try to remember them. Because looking back, you know, I have like, we have, I'm sure you know, and other other people know you have great memories of like your bird doing this crazy thing or like the rabbit doing yeah. something. And you're just like, man, I wish I could like, you remember it in your mind, but you wish you could go back and like, look at it. So that's really what it started was like, you know what, like, Maybe I'll start filming, filming some of my hunts just to kind of like, just to have them for myself. Um, so I originally just started filming with my phone, just like for fun. And then I was like, you know what, I might as well just put it on a, on a page just so I can have it there, like almost like a, like a library of my videos. And if people want to see it, they can see it too. Yeah. And uh, then the phone started getting like, I would miss stuff, like super cool stuff I would miss because it was like moving around or something. So I was like, I'll just get a GoPro. So I got a GoPro like, super cheap off of like Facebook marketplace. Um, and basically like, it's nothing special. I mean, a lot of every guy, every falconer 
girl or guy falconer that's out there flying, I mean, they're doing the exact same thing that I'm doing. And the only difference is I have a, Go, a GoPro strapped to my head and I'm just pushing record and just kind of looking where the action you're, is. You're not doing the exact same thing, trust me. I've been on plenty of hunts. You, yeah. You're really good. <laughs> brother don't don't <laughs> thanks for that I mean, yeah yeah well i was taught, I was taught very uh i was my sponsors were very strict and very uh i say sponsors because so the two brothers that took me out originally paul and phil that sponsored me they're actually next door neighbors they live next to each other so okay. they share backyards they watch each other's kids you know if one bird needs to be fed and the other brother's not home one goes there so then uh so they I considered the both of them my sponsors teaching me. And um, so they were very, everything had to be not perfect, you know, but like mm -hmm. there was none of this like sloppy, you know, and Phil's a, he was a D1 wrestler. So he's, he's all about being disciplined and stuff like that. And I'm, I, you know, I used to work out. Um, <laughs> so I was, I, I, you know, I'm pretty into discipline also. So, you know, we would talk about it afterwards. And he'd be like, you know, listen, that trade-off was a little sloppy. You kind of rushed it. And we would talk about it, you know what I mean? And he would, we would critique stuff. And I mean, I think that that's the way that it should be, personally. Um, and I mean, nowadays, there's so many people getting involved. Falconry is like exploding and becoming a very popular thing, which is great. It's great for us because there's safety in numbers. So the more positive, the more positive view of falconry can be presented to the general public, maybe not deliberately or like forcibly, but like, you know, I get a lot of people that follow me and they see it and they think it's fascinating. So I always want to represent myself positively and everything to be done correctly. So that's why I think a sponsor's job should be very involved and very hands-on. And that's, listen, some people don't agree with that. They think that, you know, the person they sponsor should kind of figure it out on their own and it makes them better and that's fine too but um you know i just think i just think a, a good spot that's why i haven't sponsored anybody um because i don't really feel like um i don't really feel like i'm at that level where i can give to a, a, a you know an apprentice the attention that they need and to really help them and uh i mean i'm still on the phone with guys all the time you know what i mean yeah. i'm still like my bird did this she's acting weird she missed like six in a row you know what's up you know what do you think about that she was flying like this i'll send them the video and mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like i think falconry is like for me personally well it is falconry is what it is regardless of how you view it but there are so many aspects to falconry that can you can take it to whatever level you want you there's literally the sky's the limit it's like mm -hmm. yoga or jujitsu there are so many moves there are so many scenarios there are so many situations and birds and personalities in those birds and things that are going on in the field where you can never say that you're perfect you can never say you know you you know you can have the title of a master falconer like that doesn't mean anything because exactly once so. you're mastering one bird you're now you're forgetting everything you learned from the other birds that you trained so you can go back and still learn then there's always progression to make on each thing you do. You can start making hoods. You can fine tune your trapping because that's a lot. Another thing is trapping is a huge part of falconry that's extremely important. And I'm t most of the new people that I see nowadays, I hate to say it, they don't trap. They're not about trapping. They're about getting their hands on their bird and then that's it. And that's, you know, that's fine. Listen, I was the same way. I, I trapped my own bird by myself. My brother, I didn't have a driver's license. My brother, I begged him. We drove around in my mom's Subaru 
he just turned like 16 and we he, and i just dropped there was like a funeral going on at a cemetery and i saw the big red tail in the rain sitting on the pine tree and i literally dropped the trap out of the back door and before the tailgate even left the trap the bird was already coming down and she was caught and i just jumped out and i just grabbed it and jumped back in the car and like they were like what what the heck would just... and then we just like took off and then i was on the phone with my brother's cell phone i didn't even have a cell phone and my i you know my brother we called we called my sponsor phil and paul and they're like come on let's go bring it over so we brought it over we got it all dressed up you know i'm like shaking and trembling and uh but that's part of it you know what i mean that's part of it the the, the trapping aspect is 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 just as much a part of falconry as it is flying and catching game you know but catching game is the end result but there are many aspects to it you know nowadays you can buy a set of jesses you can buy a set of anklets and those guys like ashley clark other guys like that they do phenomenal jobs but i think that everybody should learn you should make your own equipment you know at least try i made some crappy hoods you know just to <laughs> just to try it out they're horrendous i would never put it on a bird but like i i you know i, I printed out the little diagram online i cut the leather i folded it i sewed it like it's part it's part of the whole process of being a falconer in my opinion it, it really is like it's so yeah. impressive when you see someone who has like especially the older guys like they can do everything like everything like, it's amazing it's uh yeah i would never even attempt a hood that's just no. i've seen tons of videos it looks like really intricate so i'd yeah. like to see what your hood turned out to be no i just did i just did an anglo indian which is just one piece that you just fold together and so oh. it's like it's not a dutch hood where there's where there's three pieces Okay. The two eyes and then the fold. It was just a Dutch, uh, an Indian hood, which is just a, basically you just cut out the pattern and then you fold it in and just sew the seams and it just becomes like a rudimentary, you know, very simple, very easy yeah. okay. to do. Yeah. Nice. But I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it on a bird though. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So why don't you, um, why don't you dive in and tell us what you're flying right now? Uh, you yeah. have a couple birds, right? Yeah, it's got two. I have a, uh, I have obviously the goshawk, the, uh, the cross from Keith Hicks. That bird's a monster. She's a complete beast. I, I'll take some credit because of the amount of hours I put into her, but that bird is just genetically gifted. I mean, she's just huge, gamey, nothing phases her. And, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't speak any higher of that bird and the gen genetics that she comes from. So, and then when I have a Merlin. Get, when did you get her? I got that bird uh, last, last spring, I believe. No. Yeah, I got her. Which this is her second season. Okay. This is her second her second season. So nice. Not last spring, the spring before. Yeah. So this is her second season, and uh, she's kicking butt. She's just huge. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's, she's an awesome bird. Yeah. yeah. And then what what's this new one you have? Um, I just have a Mer I have a Merlin. So where we live in in New Jersey, or where I used to live, we had the luxury. I talked to so many guys out by you and in other states, and it's like. To get your hands on a Merlin is like this whole process. You gotta like drive around for hours and hours and hours and throw and you know put out mist nets or like dogazas and like mm -hmm. just pray that it comes down the right angle. Where where we live, we live within driving distance of uh, a very famous area in South Jersey by the beach, where hundreds and thousands of Merlins and Kestrels and Sharpies just come piling through during the migration. So you just set the wind right and you go down there with a couple of mist nets and we'll trap you know a whole bunch you know what i mean and and uh so it's pretty it's pretty easy so i have a merlin and uh we're having fun she's a sweetheart she you know 
just you know just building that trust they're a little skittish but when they calm down they really calm down really nice and uh so we're just building that trust doing a lot of lure exercises a lot of a lot of circling on the lure and tidbitting and stuff like that because they have a very strong tendency to carry. So, yeah. yeah. So just uh, just finding the gonna, time to get out. Are you going to upgrade your uh, camera equipment for a Merlin? Because the flights are going to be way different. Way I know. Harder to catch, right? Yeah, there. It's like it's almost like impossible to catch because you know usually the flight, especially for so where I am, I'm not really flying like a lot of guys out west. Um, it's not beautiful, picturesque, wide open. It is now where I moved, but it's more of it's more of getting the bird on the wing and then just waiting for her to be right in that perfect perfect position and then flush, you know, flushing whatever you can flush. Or a good technique that I used um, was I would I would basically get her, flip the lure, get her on the wing coming in, and then at the last second like shake the bush or whatever it was and get the sparrows to scatter. And then she would take it right out of the air. If you timed it right, it was always mm. perfect. That you could catch with the GoPro. Okay. Um, nice. But a lot of the flights, a lot of the flights where I move now and a lot of guys out west, it's hard because the flights are so far and and they're so tiny and it's hard to see everything. So, yeah, yeah I would probably need a better camera to catch all that. Yeah. Yeah. you got plenty of time for that. So, you you got um, you got a beautiful wife. you got a beautiful son. Yep. And, uh, I'm sure that they must be supportive of you, which is really important. Oh, yeah. You yeah, must yeah. have a lot of time out in the field. So that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. My wife loves it. It's her, it's her yeah. favorite. It's her favorite part about me. <laughs> is no. it really? No. It's uh... – <laughs> uh... no, she she loves it. She thinks it's cool. But the amount of – especially with a new bird, like, like not last year. The, yeah, last year – with a new bird, trying to get it going, making sure the birds entered correctly and the time spent in the field. It definitely, uh, it definitely like any falconer will tell you, any falconer that loves to hawk and loves to get out there, unless your spouse is a falconer, there's sometime a little, a little bit of tension because your time is spent out in the field when maybe you should be home or maybe cutting the hunt a little bit shorter. But, you know, at least for me, I get a little, I get a little obsessive and I want to, yeah. You know, I want I want to get a catch at the end of the day. I want my bird to be rewarded. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. But no, she she loves it. Yeah, she loves it. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. She was one of the first people to comment. Like, when is the when is it going to happen? What time? She was excited for you. Yeah, so, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. She's happy. The nice thing uh, too, like everyone I interact with online or whatnot, they all have like high praise of you. Like you're just a really cool, down to earth guy. Like you give. Even uh, I was talking to Noah. Noah Drever, he's like, yeah, Casey yeah. was messaging me on this. Like, you're just super positive to, to everyone that I've talked to, which is amazing. You're, yeah, and you're a great influence just for the sport with your content. But then, I feel like you're just that type of guy that people want to be around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I just try to be nice to people. You know, I mean, some people, some people kind of, you know, there's some tension. I mean, I'm sure some people won't agree with you. But I definitely, mm -hmm. I don't like, def I definitely don't attack people um, over certain things. There are some things where, where I want to say something, you know, or like, mm -hmm. you know, falconry related things, like, you know, techniques and stuff like that, that are just completely not correct or sloppy. I kind of want to say something like, hey, before taking the picture, tie your bird off, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know, but you know, it's just, I try to be positive to people. I've seen a lot of guys like to argue falconry is so passionate you don't get you don't get involved in falconry unless you're a passionate you're passionate about it it's at least years ago like i said it's something that requires a a very a very deep passion for it to get involved 
to go through all the hoops, to get the inspections, to take the tests. So people are taught a certain way or they get a certain thing in their mind that then depicts their falconry for the rest of their falconry career. And then sometimes if somebody does something different, people want to argue a little bit about it or my way oh, is better or your way is better. Yeah. But there, I mean, there are so many ways to skin a cat in falconry. There's mm -hmm. literally hundreds of different methods to do the same thing. I mean, entering birds, some people say this, some people say that. And I mean, at the end of the day, most of the birds are the same. You know what I mean? And even with imprints, like I said, it's just an endless amount of craft that you can study and learn. It's, just, it's not just about manning down a passage bird. It's now it's raising an eyes. And it's not, now it's not raising an eyes. Now it's entering a chamber raised bird. There's just so many different aspects of falconry that you can never really attain mastership over it. There's so many aspects of it. So I felt like with me flying red tails, I would see the red tails fly. I would see the squirrel running and I'd be like, just grab it. But you know, their, their mindset is different. And then now that I got my hands on a goshawk, it's like anything that I imagined my red tail doing when I was a little kid, she, the goshawk does it. It's just, it's just like night and day. They're built for it. A, a female goshawk, this is controversial. A female goshawk <laughs> uh -huh. is built for catching squirrels. They are the ultimate bird to catch squirrels. Now that's a controversial statement because some people think that it's wrong to hawk squirrels. And that's where I will get a little bit defensive because if you look at the nest studies, there's squirrel carcasses in the nest studies. So they're catching them in the wild on a regular basis and they're built for it. And there's a risk to anything. Bites are a risk. That's a risk of the red tail. It's a risk of the Harris hawk. It's just, I have a 1300 gram goshawk with feet that are bigger than a red tail and people get people get uptight about me chasing squirrels with her but then the guy with the harris hawk or the red tail hawk that flies at 800 grams it's just like oh cool it it just yeah. it doesn't make like my bird is like twice as it doesn't make it just sometimes it doesn't make sense it's just kind of a stigma that people get in their mind and then like i said they were taught somebody told them i mean i get people that message me all the time that say that their sponsor told them with a red tail hawk if you hawk squirrels i will drop you as an apprentice I've heard that from multiple people. So that that kind of a thing doesn't even make it doesn't even make logical sense. So that kind of that kind of stuff like that will get me a little bit a little bit flustered because I'm like that makes no yeah. sense. And you know, and there's just everything's everything's the same. Like I said, it's the same. You could take it to another level. Was your bird too low? Did she bind and hold on and get bit? If she's slightly heavier she'll she'll grab and be more likely to let go because she's not desperate to eat so there's so many different variables that play into it you know what i mean and uh and even with my bird i did a little bit of an experiment i lowered her weight i brought it down incrementally lower and the lower that i went the more bites she got and she's so big that it didn't even affect her but i was noticing last year we got three bites this year i brought her down slightly and she got like eight bites already and we're not even we're not even in the middle of the season yet. So now I'm gonna bring her I'm gonna bring her back up again and see if this the biting stops, which it has. Um, which was yesterday was a great example. She grabbed it in the tree right above me, mm -hmm. and she's fiddling with it. And I could you could see it tries to it tries to swing up and bite her, and she lets go of it, and it falls right down in front of me. And that was yeah. the, my most recent uh, little clip that I just put on my story. But it's 
there's a direct core to me i personally feel that there's a direct correlation between the hunger of a bird or the desperation of a bird to the bite ratio when hawking squirrels that's my personal opinion and um it's you know i don't know if it's 100 percent true I, I don't i'm not gonna go to the grave with it i'm open to discussion about it but i i definitely have seen a correlation at least just with my bird just this year just bringing her weight down slightly i've been seeing a little bit more of of not desperation because she's still fat but it's more of like a just she's not gonna let it go and hopes that i get there in time you know before it bites her or or if it's trying to bite her when before she would she'd be letting go and doing all kinds of crazy stuff to avoid getting bit because she didn't really care because she's like, I'm going to eat anyway. She's an imprint. So she doesn't have that, that wild mentality where if I don't eat, I die. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's just a couple that's, of that's things. Totally, yeah. That's an interesting uh, take on it. That's, I mean, it sounds like to me, it makes a lot of sense from what you just, how you explained it in your own personal, you know, training. So yeah. You know, I'm sure I mean, it's, it's anecdotal. Interpretation it's not, it's not, times too. So. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Um, so tell me, um, your first bird, did you have a red tail? I'm guessing. Yeah, in New Jersey, uh, I don't even know when I was an apprentice if we were allowed to have Keshels at that point. Um, oh. I think we can only have red tails, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first bird was a red tail. And I flew her, I flew her for, I think, a season and a half. I tried to start the next season. And for whatever reason, when I was young, I don't know what it was, she kept she kept like attacking my dogs and attacking me and attacking like anybody that was in the field. She would just like, just like latch onto them or attack them. And I don't know if it was, if it was, I brought her weight down too fast going in, you know what I mean? Cause when you're young, you're a new falconer, there's things that you do that you don't realize what are going on. But the bird definitely became a little bit aggressive and there was some screaming involved. So that one, we ended up, <laughs> we ended up cutting that one loose uh, yeah. in the middle of the second, like the beginning of the second season. And then it was just red tails and merlins after that. Red tails, merlins. Uh, I tried a coops for about five minutes. Um, oh, yeah, a passage coop. My skill level was definitely not there, so good thing I let it go. Um, and then, uh, and then now that I've discovered goshawks in the last five years or so, there's nothing that comes close. Yeah. So that's there's probably that comes close. your favorite bird is your current bird right now i'm guessing since she's yeah, yeah for sure well yeah there's that bird and then I, I did have a merlin when i was a kid and that merlin was phenomenal and she was a beast she would she would chase a dove out of sight and then i would just go sit on the i would just go sit on the ground and wait and a half hour later sometimes 15 minutes later she'd come whizzing right back and land right back in the same tree that she left <laughs> and she'd be like looking for me like this oh, you know that's... and that that bird was special to me and then i uh I molted her out and she just literally just died in the middle of the molt. No oh. reason, no explanation, f- nice and fat. Just, I came home from, uh, from class or something and she was, she was dead on the bow perch, which was really, uh, really upsetting. But that, I would say this bird that I have now and that bird um, were my two favorite birds for okay. sure. And third, third would be I had a monster red tail uh, that was basically the exact same mindset as this goshawk, but just a 1500 gram red tail, just a complete beast. And, uh, she, uh, she ended up breaking her wing, um, in another falconer's care. And, uh, but now she's at a, um, she's at a rehab center. Thank like a, like a, like a nature center. Thank God. 
because yeah. if you call around, there's nobody wants a red tail. You know what I mean? So a gentleman was nice enough to take her. So she's at, she's on display and my mom like donates to like, you know, the nature center to like, uh -huh. so she's living out, she's living out her life there. And those, those three were my favorite birds. This bird I have now, the red tail and then a Merlin that I flew when I was young. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Nice. So when you, um, from then to now, like just, I'm sure you've, you've gotten so many just crazy stories and experiences. Is there anything that kind of stands out that maybe you, made some mistakes and then you saw after like what you had to do or you just got feedback from your, you know, your sponsors that kind of just yeah. instilled that throughout, you know, st stuff that really sticks with you. Yeah. Some stuff that sticks with me is, is not to rush anything. That's, that's the bit, that's really a big thing is not to rush anything. And I'm, I'm actually, and like I said, it's a, it's a falconry is a fluid thing. So even, even now my bird, this goshawk I have, she she's destroying everything, but then I found that I was kind of rushing a little bit on the kill and getting a little bit too impatient to trade her off, and uh, you know, and go home or whatever the case may be, and then a little bit of resentment uh, began to 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 show itself. So then now now I when she catches something now, I just I don't even rush in. I stand back and I just watch. And then you know if it's a rabbit squealing, I dispatch it because you can't have that. If it's a duck, they Ducks don't die, so you have to dispatch them. <laughs> and uh, anybody who's caught them knows, unless you're unless you're unless you're flying a peregrine or something like that, that's gonna take its lights out in the in the sky, they don't die. So you have to dispatch them to be respectful. Um, but then I just take my hands off and I just step back and I just leave her alone. I let her pluck. I let her calm down. Um, but yeah, most of the stuff most of the stuff that my sponsors um, really focused on was on the kill because that's really you know the stuff in the field you know when the squirrels running around the tree and, and all that kind of stuff that um that you all you learn over time as you're uh, whatever game you're hawking if you're hawking quail or whatever you you start to understand the quarry that you're hunting and the way your bird specifically because each bird is different so there's not a cookie cutter formula each bird is gonna you know my bird takes 90 percent of her ducks from the trees you talk to other Austringers, other other guys that fly goshawks, they don't their birds don't take them from trees. Some guys do, or, or they'll catch one here and there from the trees. For whatever reason, this bird, she'll she'll chase them from the fist and take them if she can. If they put back in, and she goes up into a tree, it's game on. Now we just got to get them off the water. And if she gets off the water enough, long enough, she'll take them right above the water and land in the water. So she, each bird is different. So basically, not trying to force your narrative of what a bird should do or should act onto you know the new bird that you have now you know somebody saying oh you have a passage peregrine it should fly at 720. Huh. it's like dude it, it's so different each bird is completely different you know what i mean so you have to just feel feel your bird have respect for your bird don't try to force it on the bird build that trust with the bird taking your your sweet time you know i got my bird going in two weeks you know, like now I'm trying to rush to get my bird out in two weeks because that's what I'm supposed to do. No, take your time, do it the right way, build that trust with your bird and uh, get out hawking. You know, there are certain things where when you're doing a red, when you're flying a red tail, like doing the creance, you know, and, and tidbitting to the glove all day and night like that, can, certain things can be detrimental. So there is a point when you need to just let's go and start catching stuff. And it is, imper especially with like imprints and stuff. If you keep doing like lure exercises and like call them to the glove and all kinds of stuff like that and don't put game in front of them, then their mind game is not the priority. 
getting you to call them back is the priority. So there are certain things where you kind of have to, you have to, you know, push the envelope a little bit, but I would say just feel out your bird, each individual bird. That'd be my advice to, to younger falconers and, and take it seriously. Take what you're doing seriously. You know, learn about the quarry that you're hunting. I used to, when I was young, I used to just go out and just try to catch as many squirrels as I could, as many rabbits as I could. And then I remember one time I was out with, with uh, my sponsor's brother, Paul, and he gets out of the truck. I'm like, oh, this field looks awesome. There's going to be rabbits in here. And he gets out of the truck. He starts walking through the field and he's like looking around. I'm like, what the heck is this guy looking for? And he's like, he's like, there's no sign here. There's no sign. I'm like, what do you mean there's no sign? Rabbits have sign? He's like, yeah, they have sign. So then I was like, so then I learned, okay, you look for chewings. You look for, you know, rabbit pellets. You look for little, in some areas, there'll be like little channels where they just, they all go through. And yeah. like just learning about your quarry, the way that they fly, the way that they run their, you know, their lifestyle and having respect for the quarry that our birds hunt is part of falconry is just as much a part as falconry. Our job is to respect yeah. the quarry that we hunt just the same way we respect our birds that take the quarry. So, yeah. yeah. I think one of the most important things, like of things that I see newer falconers do wrong is they just, they don't ask, they're ashamed to ask for help. And then it's yeah. too late and then the bird suffers somehow yeah. times really badly. Or they so. ask for help from their sponsor and then their sponsor tells them what to do. And then they go on Facebook and then they ask oh, yeah, everybody. They ask, yeah. <laughs> they ask like 10 other people yeah. for the answer they want to find. Like, and then they do, they do a combination of all 20 things that everybody on Facebook said to do instead of doing what their sponsor said. Yeah. That, that's, that's a common that thing works. too. That works yeah. every time perfectly. Anybody that's watching that's new, just listen to your sponsor and do what he tells you to do. And that's it. You know, yeah. you can take advice from other people, but run it by your sponsor first. That's my that's my my opinion. Yeah, that's that's great advice. It, uh, very common for that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, so being on the East Coast and your hunting terrain and stuff like that, um, yeah. I noticed you're jumping in the water when there's snow out there, like are you wearing waders? Are you like, you just, um, I only wear waders. I only bought a pair of, uh, a pair of waders in the last uh, two years because of this bird. And, uh, but before then I was just, you know what I mean? Like where I'm, so where I was flying when I lived in New Jersey, now I'm a little bit more kind of in the middle of nowhere, which is great. I kind of uh -huh. curtailed where I live so I could practice falconry more uh, efficiently. Um, but where I lived before it was like, I was only like maybe 150 yards max from the truck. So I knew if I jumped in and I was, you know, I was freezing or something like that, I knew we would able, we'd be able to get back to the truck, you know, and, and dry off and, and get in the yeah. heat quick. But I wouldn't recommend anybody jumping in the water if you're like out in the middle of nowhere, because it's just not a, uh, it's not a good thing. And especially if, if, you know, stuff happens, you know, I don't think anybody's died yet doing falconry, but I mean, I'm sure there's always a possibility of something happening, you know? So, yeah, That's I just jump true. right in. I'm, I'm kind of a, uh, it's just, I just, I just love falconry so much. Like anything about it, the bird catches stuff. Even when I'm out with other people, I like, I just, when their bird nails something, I'm just as excited for them. I was with a falconer in New York and his, his red, his female red tail just did this crazy little maneuver and grabbed a little tiny uh, red squirrel off the trunk of this tree in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. And it was like the coolest thing ever. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was awesome. Yeah. You know, this big bird was able to like, just, just snatch this little squirrel off the top of this giant tree. It was awesome. So there's just, you know, and, and in terms of story, probably one of my favorite stories that's really memorable to me is, um, if that's what you were, you were asking before, I didn't really answer. Yeah. Go um, 
I have a bunch of good ones. I have a couple good ones and a, and, and a couple bad ones. And uh, okay. so one of the, one of the best ones for me was, is I was hunting a spot that I, I hit all the time. This is that big female red tail, that giant red tail. And we were hunting rabbits and squirrels in this area. And then all of a sudden, like these ducks just started getting, just started getting up off the stream. And she, you know, red tails, they, they'll chase them, you know, they chase anything. So then she put one back in and it was like, so she put it back in the stream and then landed up on the bank and there was a, like a dead tree and it was tucked underneath there. So I remember I started making snowballs trying to th get it out. And I had my, I had my dachshund with me at the time, my dog uh -huh. and she's barking and everything. And then the duck, it was a Drake mallet and it just, just did like a helicopter straight up. And she saw it through the thick stuff and it didn't see her. And she just takes off before it's even, above anything and it cleared all the brush and she just came like boom and just took oh, it right out of the air you know and just sick. took it to the ground <laughs> then i tried to get across where i fell in i think and in the snow it was like i forgot to say it, it was like six eight inches of snow on the ground then i'm i'm trying to get across the water and she's on it and i'm like i'm like rushing to help her for some reason but she doesn't need help you know yeah, yeah. and then uh and then my dachshund jumped in the water behind me and she's swimming it was just like a it was an awesome <laughs> experience and then then uh you know, I, I let the I let my red tail eat the as much as she wanted off of it, and uh, just sat there in the snow, and just watched her eating it. It was just one of those moments, you know, like yeah. you just sit there for a minute and just imagine that you are not part of the equation, and your dog is not part of the equation. You just imagine that you're just seeing this happening naturally, and that's something that's so much fun to do. It's like a a little mental exercise. Like sometimes my bird will catch something, and I'll be like, "There's a bird that looks exactly like her." in Siberia or something, mm -hmm. sitting in the woods on some kind of quarry, eating it just like this. And it's and, and you think of it in those terms, it like it makes the whole experience like so much so much more beautiful than sometimes we lose sight of, where it's just like filling the filling the freezer or, or getting the game yeah. in the bag. But sometimes to sit back every now and then and just watch your bird eat on a kill and just pretend that there's nothing else going on. It's for me that's a that's a special thing. It's a really special thing. And that's the essence of falconry is being part of that experience and, you know, assisting in that, in that experience, not doing, not doing anything, you know, crazy. I mean, we do all kinds of crazy stuff with our birds, you know, everybody that, anyway, that flies hard, you know, probably had the cops called them, them probably oh, yeah. did something they weren't supposed to do. And I mean, stuff happens. Um, and it's all part of the passion of being a falconer. And I think, uh, I think if the cops weren't called on you once or twice and you're not flying hard enough, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's just, it's just something that I, uh, that I think about on a regular basis. It's just, yeah. just enjoying the whole thing. Not that's just pretty deep. That's, I wouldn't think you would be that, that type of a emotional guy. I mean, you look, you look the, the exact opposite of that Casey. No, yeah. No, yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah that's cool to think about. Um, yeah, it's cool. I, I recommend anybody out there, next time your bird catches something, dispatch it, maybe help them break in, and then just kind of sit back and just kind of do a little mental exercise where you just watch the bird eat. And that's the cool thing about the about the filming thing is people are like, oh, you're filming because you're, you want people to see what you're doing, and it's all selfish. It's like, no, no I want to look back on that experience, and I want to be part of that experience again and again. You know what I mean? And, and, that's, and the filming thing is kind of the same thing because you kind of try to put yourself – you're filming it and I'm not like an expert filmer. Like I'm nothing. I'm literally just, I just have a GoPro like Connor, Connor, you know, Raptor oh, addicts. Yeah. If you guys are out there, go look at Raptor. 
he makes he makes what I do look like a joke. You know what I mean? And and he, we've talked about it, me and him. And it's it's you know you're sitting there and you're trying to film it and you're just and you're just watching the beauty of of the bird eating and just the whole the whole experience is just amazing. Yeah, and you uh, came out to the the West Coast with him, right? And, oh uh, man, it was that was that was probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I go to my brother's wedding, which was in California, and uh, me and Connor have been friends for a long time. So I, you know, we call, we text each other. I mean, my wife was like, "You talk to him on the phone longer than you've ever talked to me when we were dating." Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll be on the phone with him for like two hours, like no problem, like just talking about exhibitors, bird behavior, all kinds of stuff. He's he's a wealth of knowledge, he really is, and he's helped me out in so many different ways with this bird. I'll post a video, and he'll freeze frame it and be like. When you jumped in the water and you reached in to grab her, did you see her? Did you see her do this? And I go, dude, I didn't even notice that. He goes, she didn't like that. So now I go in the water slow and I try to lift them up out of the water so that there's no threatening. I mean, just so, like I said, there's so many levels you can take it to. I don't, I don't ever want to be the guy that gets offend, like defensive when somebody tries to critique me. Or I mean, there's a respectful way to do things. Some guys are a little bit you know, a little bit rude about it. But if somebody really, you know, we, we all want each other to do well. I don't want somebody to post a video of them, you know, while their bird's eating a, a, a duck while it's half alive, you know what I mean? Making the general public feel, you know, there's certain things that we got to keep each other accountable to, you know what I mean? It is, it is natural. It is the way that things are done, but we don't have to make it that natural yeah. where, you know, a hawk is eating a squirrel while it's still alive. Cause that's what goes on every day in the wild, but we don't have to we don't have to portray that. We dispatch our choir. We have respect for our choir. And yeah, so we went out. I called him up on the phone. He was like an hour, like an hour exactly from the hotel we were at. And I told my wife, I was like, here are your boots. Here's your t-shirt, your pants. We're going hawking. And I hope you got, I hope you're ready. And she was like, all right. So we literally go out. We jump in his car. He pulls up in the parking lot and he has this dark morph red tail laying on his lap like this laying feet tucked like a chicken laying on the net and he's like petting it like and it was just sitting there i'm like what the heck is going on here he goes oh yeah she likes she just does this i'm like what so we drive <laughs> for like 20 30 minutes up into like these hills and we get out of the truck and i shut the door and when i shut the door like three jackrabbits run away and i'm like oh, oh I'm my like, bro, bro. Get and he's like relax relax i'm like bro those three rabbits because like you know where i hawk like there's not we don't have that many rabbits you know i'm not running dogs right now i will be running dogs next year but mm -hmm. like we don't see rabbits like that i was like i'm like dude get your bird up he's like relax really there's plenty to relax i'm like all right so we get out of the car he puts the bird up and within like a half hour i think he i think we caught two cottontails in like literally like 25 minutes and the bird goes up and she's up like i think like three 200 feet or something like that i think the one stoop was like it's like an 80 foot and then the other one was i think the bird was like really up there and she just kept going and going and going and then i got a couple good flights on film too and mm. uh then my wife got tired so <laughs> so yeah so we literally drove back to where we met him dropped her off at the car she went shopping and then we <laughs> oh and then we jumped i'm like i'm like i'm because we didn't even fly his goshawk yet we only flew his red tail so i'm like oh, come on okay. i have to see the guy so then we jumped back in the car and then we drove off and we had a couple of really beautiful flights. So like, I mean, out there, man, you guys have, you guys have some serious game. I mean, some guys don't agree that I know, I know this year, the rabbit numbers are a little bit lower, but yeah. when I was out there, man, I've never seen rabbits like that in my life, ever in my life. I mean, rabbits, 
jackrabbits, everything, just running all over. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, that was one of the, that's definitely one of the highlights of my falconry, uh, experience was seeing, was seeing that firsthand, you know, with that many rabbits in game. So, yeah. Yeah. Your wife's a trooper, man. Got to give a shout out to her. She's yeah. Uh... She was hustling. She was, she was sweating yeah. <laughs> cause it was hot out there. It was like, I think it was like 70 or 70, 80 degrees out there when we were flying. Yeah. Which was crazy. So would you ever consider moving out this way or no? Um, the issue for me is I would love to. The issue is that I, I started a, um, a plumbing business. So I have all my clients are here. So over the course of my, of my plumbing career, I built up clientele to the point where I was able to start my own business and get my license and, and go through all the, the hoops that that requires. So in order for me to move out there, I'd have to start over again. Cause I plan yeah. I pl I planned this all out from the beginning. I'm like, I'm not, I, during hawking season, you get out of work at four 30, it's dark at four 30. So I'm like, I have to figure out a way to be able to fly whenever I want. So I have my own business and I schedule my hawking time in the same way uh, I schedule in a customer. And I just, Perfect. the half an hour, uh, you know, an hour, some days I don't have time and that's it. You know what I mean? But I bring the bird to work with me and uh, I'll take her out, you know, throughout the day periodically. And then um, when I have a good solid chunk of time in between jobs or something like that, I'll throw her up and try to get a, try to get a kill or something like that. You know, nice. makes you life a lot with, easier. So um, you mentioned that you're going to be working with uh, dogs next season. You yeah. Have, uh... Yeah. I'm on a, I'm on a list. Teddy Moritz. Uh, she's a very well-known falconer and uh, she pioneered the use of long haired dachshunds in falconry. And she is my great sponsor. So like my sponsor was her apprentice. And uh, so she, she was actually, she's, without even realizing it, she was the reason why I got into falconry because her article that my mom read was in Field and Stream magazine. And it was a picture of her with her Harris Hawk and a bunch of dachshunds and a rabbit. And it was like a little piece on her in Field and Stream, which is a pretty well-known magazine. And I yeah. believe that's what my mom read that sparked that that's what she told me she said it's, it's it's like a real thing that you can do and uh so i'm on her list i'm on her list so i think i think if if everything goes according to plan there's no issues with the pregnancy i should have a puppy in uh january or february and nice. then i'll try to make it over the summer hopefully and then next year uh start running it you know nice so you you plan on doing all the training yourself yeah 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 with, yeah, yeah. with, with dachshunds i don't if I had like a bird dog or something like that, you know, I would maybe maybe send it out to somebody because that's some intricate training that I don't know much about. But with with dachshunds, I've trained uh, I've trained two, and I had three. That was somebody else's gave it to me. So I ran I ran a bunch of dogs. Like people don't realize that. Like I it, this is only a new thing for me to be beating brush like a like yeah. a barbarian sweating. <laughs> you know, I used to just Man, sit you got back. Some, you got some I used to good just sit back and just watch my bird. You got some good aim with your uh, your log throwing. Yeah, that's throwing from that's from trunk. years years of practice, years of practice yeah. throwing at squirrels. It's a very effective technique to get them to move. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Is so. that your is that your favorite um, quarry to hunt? No, it's not. No, no. I you? love I love hawking ducks. Yeah. I love hawking ducks. It's my favorite thing to do. But ducks are hard to find. They're in specific spots, even in a stream. There's only certain spots where they are because that's where the, the food is. That's another thing, learning the quarry. 
I sometimes last year I would cut open the I would after they're dead I would cut open the the crop and try to see what they're eating and try to be like where so why are they in this little spot here and try to figure it out you know what I mean and mm-hmm. they eat like these little bugs it's like 20 degrees outside and snowing and there's like these little like weird like crustacean things that are like alive inside of their crop and um but I love hawking ducks it's my favorite and uh but squirrels are squirrels are readily like available they're like very common so that's why when I chose the bird to fly i was like i have to have a bird that's big enough to take squirrels and that's you know that can take ducks also you know so the goshawk fit that perfect niche of what i what i fly we have rabbits too they're just you got to really work for them and if you don't run dogs it's very difficult so okay but cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah ducks are my <laughs> ducks are my favorite all right if, if any of you guys are out there watching you can ask him a question here there's a little tab here this is kind of new to me but yeah, um, feel free to ask Casey a question or me. Nobody cares about me. Ah, <laughs> I've seen them. They're they're calling you the goat, man. Everybody no, I don't them. know about all that. <laughs> um, so yeah. have you done anything involved? Uh, I know that you've already spoke highly on like just keeping a, the Falconry community respectful and all that stuff. Do you yeah. do you ever get involved in any conservationism stuff or? Um, no. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, that's see that I'm not necessarily the kind of person that wants to go out and give speeches. Like even this that we're doing right now is like, like I don't do stuff like this. Like my mom, once again, teaching opportunity when I was young, uh-huh. my mom would like, she would sign me up at all these schools to go and give speeches about Falconry with my birds. And I was like 15 years old or like 14 years old. Like I, like I hated it. It was like the worst thing. And she would like force me to go because it was like, you know, I was homeschooled. So I had to learn how to speak in public. I had to do all this stuff. I mean, she made me write, when I was a kid, I was like 13 years old, she made me write up, I had to write up essays on every single bird that could possibly be used in falconry. I had to, their nesting, what they ate, their habitat, the, what they looked like, the flight, you know, and she would, she would just use everything as a teaching moment, which was amazing. And um, looking back on that, I really thank her for that. Um, so it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth, public speaking, so I'm not necessarily you know, if you notice all my videos, I'm like barely in any of my videos, like unless yeah. like I feel like I'm in the mood and I like put myself in for a second. But like, yeah. I don't really, it's not really about me. It's just about my, about my birds. And I just like to present falconry for what it is. And that's hunting and catching game. And there's a lot of people out there that try to portray falconry as something different where it's just keeping a pet bird. And that's, that's fine. You know what I mean? That's everybody's, whatever it is, that's fine. I don't judge anybody. But if the general public needs to know, falconry is catching and taking game. It's a hunting sport. So it needs to be understood that that's what it is. And uh, I try to portray that in a, as a respectful way as possible. But I'm not going to, like, put an emoji over, my, over what my bird caught. I mean, that's, na- that's nature. That's my bird caught it. Like, it's, that's exactly what's going to happen in nature. So I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to show the part where, like, you know, there's some gruesome stuff going on, obviously. But there's a, there's a balance to what the general public should see. And I, I basically just use my, my page to just kind of share that with people. And if anybody asks, if anybody asks in public, what am I doing? Usually I just answer nicely once. And then sometimes, and especially in the area I grew up in was a very like (laughs) snooty area. And, uh, you know, I try to be as respectful as possible. And, uh, you know, just, just share with them. I'm flying my bird. That bird in the tree is my bird. Yes. I'm allowed to have it, you know, 
And yes, I'm allowed to be here, you know, and uh, it's a real thing and it's legal, you know. And uh, so, but no, I have not, I have not thought about that. There is one thing that has been on my mind lately and that's um, the cultural issue with uh, gun hunters, not deer hunters, but like specifically the bird hunting community, the, the waterfowl hunting community and upland bird hunting community. They have a very bad it's part of their culture of shooting birds of prey. And it's something that it's something that I hear about. It's something that I, I see of that Cody, that kid Cody Cox from Maine, his bird got shot like maybe like three weeks ago by a, a goose hunter. And it was some young kid. Why would a young kid just shoot a hawk for no, you know what I mean? Like somebody probably told him, you see one of those things, you shoot it. And I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even uh, Wilderness uh, Wonders, uh, you know, he's he's very well known on TikTok. And uh, they posted a picture of his Harris Hawk on a, on a duck and said and posted it to Utah uh, Waterfowl page. Remember this year to shoot as many of these things as you can as you possibly can. Or, you know, it said shoot one or ten if possible this year. And then like a hundred and something people liked it. And like all these comments like. The only good, the only hawk, the only good hawk is a dead hawk. Like all this, it's just part of the culture. Oh and I God. talked about it with Lauren, Lauren uh-huh. McGow. Uh, she deals with it also. People shooting, it's a big problem when they shoot golden eagles, and that's her, that's her whole domain. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wish there was something that we could do to like change that whole stigma and change that whole, that whole behavior. I mean, even today, I was talking before I got in here. I was like rushing to get changed. I was talking in an area and they were pheasant hunting, and I was like. I called her down. I didn't realize they were pheasant hunting. I called her down because I'm like, if she flies over there, like I do not trust them to not shoot her. Yeah. Not even a little bit. You know, I don't care how experienced they are. They just, it's, if it's part of, it's like a cultural thing for them. I think where it's like the old timers passing on and, you know, and it just happens and it happens all the time. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a very, it's a very upsetting thing. If we don't fill out our paperwork correctly to have the bird, the game warden shows up at our house and wants to throw us in handcuffs or seize the bird from us. But then somebody shoots one out of the sky and it's like, they get a slap on the wrist and it's like a $2,000 fine. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't make sense. So I just, I wish there was something that that we as a community of Falconers could do to try to change that whole, that whole mindset that they have. I mean, I'll take them on hunts with me. I won't let them bring a gun, but I'll take them on hunts with me. And I'll just say, here, you want to see Like, it's fascinating. It's super cool. And I, I actually ran into a trapper today. And, uh, you know, I was telling him about it. He thought it was awesome. And I told the trapper, I said, me and you, me and you are on the low end of the totem pole, man. It's me and you and the hound hunters that are under, under attack. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just, it, it all has to be respected. We all have to respect each other and we all have to guard the gate in terms of, in terms of our sport. So if you see a falconer doing something that you don't like to do to publicly bash them or spread it all around that creates issues for all falconers and it becomes a problem. And if you see something a trapper does and you don't agree with what he's doing, it's, that's your personal opinion. And it's, it's not up to you to decide. And we all need to protect each other. And, you know, we don't ever want to see falconry become illegal. We want people to see that falconry is a beautiful thing that it is, does have, has zero impact on anything in the populations of our game really and in the populations of the birds that we use i mean that's just that's just mathematical science so it makes it's just there's no argument really so i just 
that's something that I, that's something that I have been thinking about. If there's something that some kind of an organization organization that we could start uh, to educate people more on falconry and on just the birds of prey in general, so they could have a little bit more respect for them. Um, maybe when they're out hunting and they could not do do bad stuff, you know, when no one's around. Because yeah. you know, who sees it? Nobody sees it. Exactly. I gotta so, yeah. um, not to move. To, to take away from what you just said, that was all great. I have a couple of questions here that some people are asking. Um, Mal Radon sixty seven wants to know: Are you thinking of having a falcon? Yes, uh, I actually moved. Where I moved, I'm fifteen minutes away from a very, very beautiful uh, farmland area, and they grow sod and there's ditches. And apparently, I've not seen it yet, but they fill with ducks, and it's just wide open so i had i had thought about it and uh i just don't think that i would have the time to invest in getting a falcon up and running and going with the amount of time you know it takes to do it right uh while i'm flying the goss so i'd have to sacrifice one or the other a merlin's different because a merlin you know they're it's a passage bird so they already kind of understand anything everything you just build the trust and get out in the field and start flying i live in new york in new york we're not allowed to take uh passage peregrines so new jersey we can i had a passage peregrine and uh, they're amazing birds they're phenomenal birds and uh just the issue uh where i lived is there's no game there's game but i don't i lived in a resident you know where you drive for you'd have to drive for three hours to find a nice area where you can actually realistically try to catch ducks with them you know what i mean so now that i moved it has crossed my mind more now to to get a falcon so yeah Okay. love falcons they're civilized falcons are falcons almost all falcons are a pleasure to deal with they're 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 just civilized that's the only way you can describe it. they're civilized yeah. you know goshawks are savages <laughs> yes yeah uh i got one from the station master has there ever been a point of a, a raptor has to be retired because of age yeah i've heard i've heard of that yeah i've seen i've seen a couple birds especially a guy uh what's his name paul scara i think in new jersey he's been flying the same red tail for like almost like 30 years now or something like that Dang. and uh he's still flying it and somebody just posted something on facebook and she's had the same goshawk for like 25 years and they just caught a duck you know what i mean and the bird's holding on to it in the water so yeah at a certain point i think they i, I think they certainly reach a point where it's like you, you know you need to retire them uh, another, another guy john gilbert his bird is like I don't even know how old, 20 something. It's a, a passage, um, not a passage. It's a, uh, uh, what's the one that Chingren likes? It's a um, Gear, per Gear Peregrine hybrid oh. Tearsel. And he's been flying that forever. And uh, I think he, I think he retired it because it just got to the point where it just, it didn't have enough, it, whatever it was, it just wasn't, it wasn't connecting anymore. It wasn't trying. And uh, so he retired it. So there's certain, I wouldn't even know. I've never, I've never flown a bird long. I haven't even been in falconry long enough to think about retiring a bird necessarily. Yeah. You know. How old are you, by the way? Thirty-one. You're thirty-one. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I know. I look like I'm forty. I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned forty, so. Uh, yeah. You look like yeah. a twenty. Don't don't get there anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Body will fall apart. It's coming. Yeah. But no, you. I thought you were right around there, but. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> your wife keeps you younger. Yeah. Yeah. How old is your yeah. Boy? And Falker keeps you younger too. Say again. How old is your boy now? My boy's two. He just turned two in November. Oh. Yeah. What? What? Uh, what day? November seventeenth. Oh. Okay. 
Yeah. Oh Another God. crazy thing while we're on the subject, you want to mm -hmm. hear something crazy? This is the craziest thing. Yeah. So my son is born on my sponsor's birthday. Okay. okay. Yeah. My sponsor's firstborn daughter is born on his sponsor's birthday. What? <laughs> what are the odds of that, right? What are the yeah, odds that's of that? Crazy. And and my sponsor's other apprentice, who's a good falconer, his wife's birthday is on the same birthday as his. It's crazy. What are the odds of that? Yeah. I have no idea. That is you have to do it on paper to kind of see it to understand. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So when my son has a birthday. I also wish my sponsor a, bir a happy birthday because it's his birthday too. And then when his daughter has a birthday, he wishes his sponsor a happy birthday because they have the same birthday. Nice. What are the odds <laughs> of that happening? You know? I have no idea. Crazy. Um, hey, so I wanted to ask you, uh, yeah. we can kind of wrap up on this one if you have, unless you have more to talk about, but um, what, what is um, like, what's that unattainable? What's your next achievement that you're trying to get? either your Gossok or your Merlin, like what do you, what would be the ultimate falconry accomplishment for you? Um, for me, the ultimate falconry accomplishment uh, would be to catch a snowshoe hare, snowshoe hare, rough grouse with a passage Gossok. Okay. Okay, that's the ultimate falconry accomplishment. Second mm -hmm. to that would be Second to that would be to take a ptarmigan with a passage gear. Okay. <laughs> and then third to that, which is more realistic, would be to take a duck with a passage peregrine. Okay. So you don't even have any of these birds right now. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. And I, I look, I search for nests every year for goshawks. That's another aspect of falconry that people need to get more involved in. And, uh, and then we trap every year up on the ridges for goshawks, but they're just, uh, they are there. The numbers are not, I don't think the numbers are as low as people are trying to say they are. I just think they are so hard to find and nobody puts in the legwork to find them. And I mean, if you're hiking around, like just for example, upstate New York or even in PA, there's been a whole discrepancy of them, uh, the state issuing uh, some kind of a warning about passage goshawks are now put on like an endangered list in PA and they can seize your passage goshawk from you at any time if they feel fit or something like that i read mm -hmm. some some art some letter that was sent out to the pa falconers it's a little concerning goshawks are very hard to find so to try to say that the numbers are low like even on even when the numbers supposedly were higher you don't you still don't see them that much they're they're like that's why i think a passage goshawk is like the ultimate the ultimate falconry bird because the numbers are not as high as most others. I mean, we, when I, when I was trapping with my buddy, he was trapping his passage peregrine, like maybe 10 years ago. I mean, we counted like 50 peregrines migrating over us in New Jersey and he trapped, we trapped three in one day. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, you're not trapping your, I mean, we trapped three goshawks in one day, uh, you know, and that's, that was, I mean, that was a crazy day. Um, yeah. but that's not, you know what I mean? That's not, that doesn't happen hardly ever. You're lucky if you see, if you trap one or see two, anybody that's up on the ridges trapping knows it's a, it's few and far between passage goshawks. So when you get your hands on one, it's like a gem that like is so valuable. And if the numbers are declining, then they're declining. But I don't know if there's enough evidence to say that they are, but they're definitely not as readily available as like a, as a passage peregrine or something like that. So I would say that that would be that would be the ultimate falconry experience. We'd have a passage peregrine, passage goshawk, and take their natural quarry.
would be an amazing experience. I do want to take this bird up. If anybody's watching that can put me on snowshoe hair this year, uh, I don't mind driving because I want to catch a snowshoe hair with my with my white goshawk. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So that that's my goal for with this bird is to catch a uh, a hair snowshoe hair. I don't doubt you. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to get there I, <laughs> in your determination. So I hope so. Pretty yeah. sure you will. Yeah. Uh, all right, I got one more question here. It says, what do you think about Arab falconry? Arab falconry? I think, I think the Arabs are the, they are the pinnacle of falconry. I think that they, uh, I think that it's part of their culture. My sponsors are Arab. They're Syrian. Uh, so it's part of their culture. It's part of, it's ingrained into them. And it's something that I wish that I'm jealous of. To be frank, I'm jealous because it's part of their culture. It's it's that's what they do. It's it's not uncommon to see somebody with a bird of prey over in those countries, and I think it's super cool. They have hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, well, thousands of years of of history behind behind their falconry and the way they practice it. And it's it's a it's like I said, it's there's so many aspects to it. You can practice falconry in one country to you can never attain perfection on that quarry and then you can go to another country and you'd have to start at zero to, to catch up to them because they that's part of their culture it's part of their experience same thing in europe they have a rich history but i think i think the arabs they they're like the ultimate falconers i mean that's just i don't think that that's uh i don't think that that's uh unreasonable to say you know you know, everybody, they all want to buy my bird. They always offer me. They do? Really? They always That's want to buy my bird. <laughs> I say she's so. out for sale. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Casey. Yeah. Man. yeah. It was good finally talking to you, meeting you. Yeah. And, um, yeah. If uh, Do you want to plug? What's your um, – do you want to plug your plumbing company? Anyone in the area needs some work? Yeah, nah. I, I, can, I can barely keep up with the uh, – if I get any more work, I won't be able to fly my birds because I already I yeah. have too much as it is. Right. But yeah, I just have a small plumbing company, Steadfast Plumbing in New Jersey, and I just do. Uh, we're not big. We just keep it. We keep it small. We do nice big work, but we don't. You know, we don't. We don't push. Uh, I don't really. I don't do any marketing or anything like that. It's just word of mouth, and I'm already. I'm already taking on too many jobs that I can't even keep up with. So. Well, that's a good thing. That's yeah. Good thing. Cool. Well, check yeah. them out, guys. Uh, Thanks, guys. NJ Falconry on YouTube. I know that's a newer channel. So yeah, ahead. I just I, I don't even take that one seriously. I just like in the summer, like when I'm not flying, I just oh, start okay. posting like stuff there. But yeah, whatever. I don't care. Follow me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're interested in falconry, it's always good to uh, to surround yourself with good people. And uh, this guy's yeah. a good dude. So and he's he's not going to not going to talk down like some people. will. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's some drama amongst the Falconers, that's for sure. Yes, yes. I yeah. try to stay out of it. Well, hey, man, have a Merry Christmas. You Happy too. Happy Hanukkah, all that stuff. All that good stuff. Yeah, man. I got a little bit of daylight left. I think I'm going to try to get back out. Are you going? Yeah, all right, we're going to go again. Go get it. All right, man. Thank you so right. much. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later. We'll talk soon, brother. All right. You got it. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. That does it for this podcast. If you want to hear more, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, and we're on Instagram. Just do that key search, Authentic Falconer, and tag us on any of your posts. We'd love to follow along on your experiences and your journeys.
Buy some merchandise at AuthenticFalconer.com if you want to support the channel. And hopefully, we'll see you on the next one. Have a great day. Thank you.